Rob Ida from Ida Automotive in New Jersey on the HRBB podcast. Recording from our headquarters in Old Town Orange, welcome to the Hot Rod by Boyd podcast. Welcome back. We are here at headquarters. I'm here with uh, the host of the show, Chris Kyneton. How are we doing, my friend? Real good. All right. Yeah, all right. Well, it's a beautiful day here, and we are here for another podcast with another awesome guest. So let's welcome Rob Ida to the show. How are we doing, my friend? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, this is great, man. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, we appreciate it. And you're o- you're over there on the other coast, right? Yeah, we're, we're like 3,000 miles away. So yeah. I'm, I'm just a... a <laughs> I'm, I'm a few miles away from the Atlantic Ocean here in New Jersey. That's right. awesome, man. How's your weather right now? Uh, well, you know, this morning I went to go pick up a car, and it was uh, it was snowing. And it was only about an hour from my shop. Oh, wow. But uh, here we're, yeah, really no snow or anything here, just uh, uh, kind of cloudy and cold. Yeah, we've been we've been dealing with a cold spell the last, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell you how warm it is. Yeah. It's not, it's not that cold. Yeah. It does get down yeah. into the 30s, though, yeah, uh, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Which is yeah. which is weird, but yeah, no, that's cool, man. So um, let's talk about what you got going on right now. We got yeah. uh, we get, we'll go in a little little background on you, but I noticed you know because um, you've been building that Jaguar, right? Yeah, the, yeah, working that, on the uh, E Type Jaguar. That uh, thing's been pretty by, cool. Oh, thanks, thanks. It yeah, and uh, by, uh, yeah, did now who um, you mentioned Jeff earlier? Did Jeff draw that up? Yeah, okay, yeah, Jeff okay, Allison yeah. right and, and Marcy, the owner, um, together they collaborated on the design uh, before I even you know was involved in that project. So uh, they had the design already nailed down, then came to me and said, hey, we think this could be, you know, a pretty good fit for you. You know, what do you think about about working on a car that, you know, is already designed? And, and uh, so I took a look at it and I was like, well, it's just about perfect. So, yeah, I'd love to do it. And um, I've always had kind of a an interest in, in all types of cars, hot rods and customs and English cars and, you know, all kinds of European sports cars and race cars. So it, it, it kind of fits really into, into what, what I do because it merges all of those things in, into one. And um, I love the design and I'm having a great time fabricating the body on it. And uh, it's coming along real well. Yeah, it's looking pretty good. And you know what? While people are listening, where can they go check this out? I know you post on your personal on, on Facebook. That's where I follow you. Yeah, but, yeah. Either on my personal Facebook page, um, or better is my Instagram, Instagram page, which is just Rob yeah. Ida I D A, right? It's Rob underscore Ida. Rob underscore. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you know, that's something I've noticed. You know, you you're very eclectic with the. You know, you're not just the muscle car guy or your hot rod guy. You you've touched a lot of different vehicles. So yeah, I, I, I it's kind of a problem for me. Is that I like <laughs> I like I like every <laughs> I like every type of car, every type of build style. Um, yeah, I'm all over the place. I you know I want to I want to either have them all or or touch them all or be involved in in some way. But I mean, just just last week, I had a car here that raced in the very first Indy 500. Oh wow! In uh, which I think was 1911, and um, and it also won the um, uh, Vanderbilt Cup races in 1908 and 1909. Wow! Uh, wooden wheels, yeah. I mean, it all, the whole thing, and and you know, so one day I'm working on that, and the next day working on some, something modern, and uh, or anything in between. No, that's that's pretty cool, and that's one thing you know. With me building wheels, I you know, 
I get to appreciate all that too because I'm I don't just make wheels for hot rods or trucks or whatever. I, you know, we build Porsche wheels, we build all kinds of yep. stuff. So you know, I get to learn along the way too. Um, I may not know a lot about the vehicles themselves, but I know what wheels fit them. Yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all I need to know, right? Yeah, because you mess around. Some, so you, you do you have you have some Porsches, right? I do. Yes. Nice. Yeah, my my, my daily driver is a uh, is a, you know a modern uh, water cooled car, uh, but I have um, I have a fifty seven uh, three fifty six. Uh, I'm into nine thirties. I have a few nine thirty turbo cars, air cooled turbo cars from the seventies, nice. and uh, I have a replica of a fifty five um, uh, Speedster or a Spider. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just into them. I, I love racing them. I love driving them around. I mean, my 57, 57, 356 coupe is about as well-rounded as, as a car as I've ever had. I mean, I, I can dally it on my, on my commute to work every day. I set four land speed records in it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I've raced it in the mud. I've drag raced it. I take my wife out to dinner on a Saturday night with it. I mean, that car does everything taking on long trips and 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 it's just one of my favorite favorite cars i mean a car like that you can really cover a lot of ground if if you uh you know if if you can't store a big car collection and you want something fun porsche 356 really checks off a lot of boxes yeah it's those are cool cars and you know what um is that the red one though we're talking about yes that's awesome red one with with a number eight on the door Yeah. yeah like the last you know probably like the you know I wasn't much of a Porsche guy. I don't think I still am. I appreciate that stuff. I think the 356 Coupe is one of the, the one of the best looking cars of all time, just to, just with the body and the lines and stuff. But I, you know, I became yeah. real involved with that stuff in the last ten years, building wheels for those things. You know, right. So yeah. you know, I've spent many times going over to John Wilhoit's over there in Long Beach, and no, just just doing some amazing stuff do you ever uh have, have you ever come out for any of the porsche stuff that happens in march uh no i haven't i i wanted to a few times but i it's it's hard for me to ever get out of here yeah um, i get it. i'm the yeah, same I'm, I'm the same way because you run i mean you yeah. run a small operation there right so right yeah i know i'd like to you know the, hopefully this year some car show stuff is going to open up right so i hope so i'd like to get out yeah. more yeah but the the porsche lit meet happens um, I didn't go last year, but we we set up there probably the last six years, probably six of the last seven years, I should say. That's a cool yeah. event, and then they have the swap meet over here in Anaheim at the Phoenix Club the next day. So nice. And then John will John's got that he has a big barbecue on Friday. So if you come out, I mean, it's plenty to do. Oh, that's cool. That sounds like fun. Yeah, no. It, it, there's a lot to know with Porsche stuff. I mean, you could look at two things that look pretty much alike and one thing is you know not worth you know 10 cents and something that looks almost like it could be worth you know a hundred thousand dollars they're all over the place uh, it it is crazy right it's crazy how much how much those things just kind of went up in 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 price it's it's insane yeah yeah anything air cooled now it's just crazy yeah no i did you know i definitely like i definitely like some of the early 911 stuff that's uh all that stuff's really cool. Yeah, I built uh, two nine thirties, um, you know, which is the uh, turbo nine eleven from the from the seventies and eighties. Yeah. And I mean, what a fun car! You know, they call that car the Widowmaker. And if if you ever drive one in stock form, you know, I guess back in the day it was a fast car, but by today's standards, it's it's not really much. Um, but man, today it's a blank canvas. You, you you could make so much power with those things. I mean, they, they they're 
they're like out of control when you turn the boost up. Those cars are really? amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot I, of fun. That's cool. Yeah, I just like I like the way they look. You know, I think it's just a, it's just a cool, simple car, but it's it's they're nice. I mean, yeah. they're they're yeah. becoming out of my price range to enjoy one right now, but you know, they're pretty cool. Yeah, you, yeah. So when, so I don't know how old you are. You're, I think you're a little older than me, right? I'm, I'm 48. For oh, you're, yeah, yeah you're a year older than me. Then I'll be 47 okay. in April. So how did you get in? So we were in high school at the same time. Did I mean have you always been involved with building cars? Yeah, yeah. It's the only thing I've ever done. So I grew up, you know, pretty much around my dad's body shop, and uh, he had a, you know, a repair shop and a, and and a body shop that was a family business. But he always had some kind of a hot rod project going on. And because um, he was a racer, he, you know, he used to race uh, Willie's Gassers back in the 60s. And um, and he was building hot rods since he was a teenager, you know, late late 50s, early 60s. And um, so it was just part of the part of what we did. And I, I grew up hanging around the shop, following him around, learning anything I could. And um and then we started to get a little bit more serious as I was like, you know, in my teens and I was starting then to build my own car. And uh, by the time I got out of high school, we decided that maybe we'll take on a few customer projects and, uh, you know, see what, what happens from there. And that's, you know, 30 years ago and we're still doing it. So I've never actually had, you know, like a real job. <laughs> it's always been this, you know, just building hot rods, doing things that are a little bit out of the ordinary and, um, you know, it's been good. We've been we've been lucky and and uh, stay busy. So it's been it's 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 been a good thing, you know. And I have a couple of young guys in the shop right now, and and they seem to have the same kind of passion. They want to learn. And um, you know, the thing is, with, with building these cars, you or probably like anything, you never stop learning. But it seems like by the time you get really good and really efficient at doing this kind of thing, you know, you have to have a lot of years and a lot of cars under your belt. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we still feel that it's not something that you can just say, hey, I want to build hot rods, you know, out of nowhere and and do it and do it well, because it's it's, it's a big learning curve you know, to well, do every piece of it. And that's the thing is, you know, in, in America, right, you can you can do that. You can say I'm going to build hot rods, but doesn't mean you're going to be good at it, you know. <laughs> You know? Exactly right. No. Well, that and that's cool um, because you know you posted uh, this this week. You posted a pros pick jacket that you got right from was it ninety nine? Yeah, ninety nine. Um, so I was uh, yeah, I was just cleaning out my closet on, on a Sunday, and my wife says, you know, you have like a thousand jackets in there. You better start you know getting rid of some things that you don't need. Yeah. So I started getting rid of some jackets, and I'm digging through the back, and I say, oh man, this Boyd Coddington pros pick jacket. It was from uh, Good Guys, Columbus, 1999. Nice. So, I, yeah, I built a, a 41 Willys uh, Coupe. That's and with the that orange one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like a pearl orange. And um, so I brought that out there. And um, so I got the Boyd's Pros pick, which was huge for me. Because, like, as I said in my posting, you know, a lot of kids grew up on MTV and Van Halen. And I grew up on Hot Rod Magazine and Boyd Coddington. Like, that's nice. what had yeah. all of my attention, you know. A hundred percent, I was so focused on on watching that. And, 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 like, really even in the earlier days, when Boyd was still kind of, like, advertising cars for sale, like maybe in the back of street scene or something. Yeah, right? You know, the, and the little class ones, yeah. Like, yeah, it'd be, like, this really killer car in, in the 80s. And, you know, and you, you could see it's just something – 
you know, from outer space. And then it would say, you know, Boyd Coddington on the bottom, you know, and, I, and that kind of reminded me, like looking back at it, how it was when we were watching like Mike Tyson fight on a Tuesday night, you know, when he was coming up through the ranks. Yeah. And, and you just knew that this guy is something like this world has, has never seen before. And what's going to happen next? And that's how it was when I was, you know, a kid, you know, a kid watching Boyd do all these things and uh, and then, you know, making a real kind of making a real industry out of building cars and a real label, a label that was almost like a Boyd car is kind of like having a Ferrari, you know, and that was that was, I think, at least on the East Coast, that was something very unusual. And I, and I knew that even at a young age because he had such a professionalism about his product and his label and, and the brand and and it was mind blowing and it was so fun to watch that develop and um, you know I'll just never forget that like there'll be nothing like that again yeah and you know that was you know not only did he have a passion for building building hot rods his his goal was to make this whole thing legitimate you know and. Yeah, and and, yeah. and push the whole industry, you know. I mean, that's right. just, um, you know, it because like, I've told this before on, on the podcast, but I remember when my my dad in the seventies was like, "Yeah, I'm going to maybe start doing this as a business," and they go to the banks to try to get a loan, and they're yeah. like, "You do what? Yeah, what do you mean you build hot rods like that? People don't yeah. well, do make it a living well, doing that." Your dad understood something. Your dad was a brand. You know, so like his signature became, you know, iconic and well recognized. So when you saw that, you're like, okay, that's legit. Yeah, you know? but, but we're talking, we're going back in the early days when it was out of everybody's garages. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, you know, you were, you were if you're a hot rodder, you were kind of like an outlaw biker or something <laughs> in a in a banker's mind, yeah. right? But um, right. Yeah, no, and, and Rob, I see some of that uh, inspiration in your in your stuff. Uh, I come from a graphic design background, so I'm looking through your Instagram page and just seeing some of the just like the cool artwork of like how you've marketed yourself over the years and whatnot. And it's really just got that rad street style to it, you know. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, we 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 try to keep everything as you know genuine as possible. We're, we're not we're not trying to um, you know portray ourselves as something you know bigger than we what we are. You know, this is what we do. You know, my dad, he's still in the shop every day. He's That's um, awesome. Yeah, 75 years old. He's still doing what he does, and he does it with the same energy that he always did, which is amazing. Um, and, and we love it. We just we love what we do. And, uh, and you know, we want, the, um, we want the image to be accurate, you know, as, as to what, what it is. So if you come here to my place, it's a, it's, a, it's a small place. It's a humble little shop, but we can do everything in it. You know, we can produce an entire car from nothing in this little shop, you know, with just a, a few guys. Well, um, and that's, what's cool about it. And you do a good job, especially with social media, kind of just showing this, you know, just putting that, putting the, putting it out there. You know, like we talk about back in the day, like at the, at the hot rod shop, you know, uh, over there in Stanton, that was like the epicenter of just hot rodding what was going on, but there was no, yeah. there was no internet. Yeah, uh, you know, right. so you, you waited for the like you said, the you grew up on Hot Rod magazine. You you waited for the magazine to come out because that would be what was new, yeah. but it was still four or five months delayed. Yeah, we've had a lot of guests touch on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and you and you go, you know, like my my dad always had the shop open to people, right? And yeah, you know, 
Now you can get on the computer, and in 20 minutes, you can figure out what all the top guys are doing, yeah. what projects right. are worth. There's no secrets, right? I mean, which is everyone's marketing. It's sharing information, which is cool. But before, you yep. used to people used to take vacations and go, hey, I'm going out to California. I'm going to go, you know, go to Boyd Shop and yeah. go hit everybody, well, hit everybody else up, you know? Absolutely. From, from you know, my perspective here, 3,000 miles away, when – We'd go to a car show and somebody would say, "Hey, I went out to California and I, I I went to Boyd Shop. That was like a like a big thing. It was like, wow, man, it was it was like going to visit the uh, the, the Grand Canyon or something. You know, it's that's a real it's a real thing. And, and people still talk about it now. Like, oh yeah, thirty years ago I went out and I saw Boyd and and you know that's that's a, it's it's a big deal. And um, it, you know now with social media, we get we have so much more uh, content." When it was oh. waiting for Hot Rod magazine, you would get, you know, one tenth of one percent of what was actually happening because they would take a few pictures, a few captions, and that's what you know would fill the magazine up quickly. Um, but you know, now we really get to see the nuts and bolts of what people are doing. Yeah, and it's great because everybody gets to promote themselves. I mean, before the the magazine editors, they were the gatekeepers to yeah. Uh, yeah. to the to the cars you would who see. Who gets the exposure? Who gets the exposure? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, absolutely. But now it's 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 awesome because now everybody's if you're doing cool stuff. Yeah, you got cool you content. You got a savvy marketing uh, director out there. You know, boom. You're, yeah, or you don't even need to. You just, if you're just doing cool stuff, people will go. This is cool, yeah. and they will share it. You know. Yeah. Well, you got. Yeah, yeah. That's, out there that's too. what we do. Like, I'll I'll take a picture and I'll write a quick little caption and go back to work. You know, and I'm not spending a whole bunch of time trying to develop you know a posting or or um, graphics or something like that. I'm just taking a an honest picture of what's happening in the shop and posting it up takes yeah, ten seconds. Snippet of no, what's going sure. on right right at the moment. Yeah. Ah, it's it's definitely cool. Hey, let's touch on because uh, you know for a while there you were heavily involved with uh, some of these tuckers, right? Yeah, I have uh, three of them here right now at the shop. So um, are you are you now like the tucker expert in the world? Uh, well, I'm a part of a of a team, uh, and that team consists of 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 a, of a few key guys. Two of them are the great grandsons of Preston Tucker. Wow. And that's Sean, uh, Sean and Mike Tucker. Nice. Um, yeah, they, they're originally from Ypsilanti where Preston Tucker lived and, and originally built his prototype car. Uh, but now they live in Pennsylvania, only about an hour and a half from, from my shop. So I get to see them a lot. That's awesome. And, um, we took on a full restoration of a Tucker and, and I don't really ever consider myself, um, you know, an expert on the originality of a Tucker, I can do the work, but I don't have every nut and bolt memorized of what it should be. So we brought Sean and Mike in as part of the team. And we said, these guys are the experts. They have access to every blueprint for every piece of a Tucker. And any question that we have of what is correct or or what's not, um, we can ask Sean and Mike and they will come up with an answer which is pretty amazing because what happens is when, when you're doing a restoration, especially of a car that's this rare, there's not a lot of reference material or there hasn't been until now. And um, you start to follow the leader a little bit. So one guy uses uh, you know, a, a Chevy windshield rubber because it's close enough and it worked. And now that starts to look like the correct piece to you. And then I copy and that guy copies it and that becomes the new standard, but it's a false standard. Yeah. So we've gone all the way back to the, to the original blueprints 
and we're able to uh, make these cards as accurate as possible, which is important because, you know, these cards are rare. There's only 47 that still exist, and most of the owners are either, you know, museums or large car collectors, and they want to have their car presented as properly as, as, as they can. So we've been able to help out, you know, quite a few of these cars and, and, and try to make them as correct as, as we can. We're having a lot of parts now um, manufactured, whether it's body panels and made in sheet metal or um, things that are casted, 3D printed, engineered, machined, whatever. But we're able to now recreate a lot of the parts that have gone missing on these cars or been changed over the years. So, yeah, we do have three original Tuckers in the shop right now. Nice. Um, and uh, and then we also have handmade, you know, some of our own. Um, and I have right now, I've started a concept car, which is Preston Tucker's last effort before he died. 1955, after the, the Tucker company closed up, he moved to Brazil and he started to work on a new car, which was like a sports car. And, and imagine in 55, he had in his mind like a Porsche Speedster, okay. a, a lightweight four-cylinder air-cooled sports car and has kind of a Duval-style windshield. It has cycle-style fenders that steer, and it's a real small car, very lightweight and nimble. And um, so we've got those drawings. And um, is, that no the, mechanical... is that the Torpedo? That's not the Torpedo. This is not the Carioca. The... Oh. Do you yeah, have, do you have that on called... your Inst... – did you post that on your Instagram? Uh, recently, I just put a picture of the wooden buck. Oh, okay. Um, yes. And uh, so now we're going to start to fabricate that body. We started the suspension. We found really what would be the correct engine, which was a, a Franklin air-cooled flat four-cylinder engine. And uh, Preston Tucker actually owned Franklin. He bought that company. And um, so we said, uh, we need this engine. It's, it's kind of a rare piece. It's a four-cylinder engine that Franklin used for some airplanes. And so we start to dig a little deeper and dig a little deeper. And then we find out that there was an airplane actually called the Carioca, same name as what Tucker was going to call his car. The problem was they only built like seven of them. So it's, you know, it's going to be impossible to find. So I posted on social media that we're looking for this thing. And then we get a phone call from a guy in, in Canada. Um, and he said that when he was a kid, he worked at a salvage yard, an aircraft salvage yard. And now he owns that salvage yard. He bought it. And he goes, so as, as long as I can remember from when I was a kid, this engine, which is the engine that you need, has been laying in the basement in dry storage in the building at the salvage yard. Wow. So you need to have it. So Sean Tucker and, and I, we jumped in a truck and we drove up to Canada and, uh, and we got the engine. So we have the right engine. Wow. That's awesome. That's what's cool too about social media. There's been cars of my dad's that I've tried to track down and you just put it, put it out there and going, Hey, we're trying to yeah. track this down. And eventually someone will respond. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's pretty amazing how, how that works. I mean, when, when you think about how much easier things get when you have that many people, you know, sharing your information or, you know, helping you out and someone like, I would never have con had contact with this guy no, from the Air Force, yeah. Yeah. salvage yard in Canada because yeah. there was no reason for us to ever connect. And, uh, but through social media, it happened in a matter of days. That's awesome. And, and, and <laughs> yeah. it was, and, and, uh, what kind of condition was it in? 
it was complete and wow. it, it even rotated because it was in dry storage. It was amazing. And then and he, he says, um, you know, you may have a problem getting through customs because we were just driving a pickup truck. He goes, you may have a little problem getting through customs because a lot of this stuff here in the salvage yard is military and, and being at this is for an aircraft, there could be a problem. So if you have any trouble, you know, call me from the border and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll try to deal with whatever it is. So we come up to the, to the guy at the border in Canada and he says, what do you have there? And uh, so tell him the story. And we said, have you ever seen the, the movie Tucker? He said, oh yeah, the car with the three headlights. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. And then we show him a picture of what we're building. He goes, oh man, that's great. Well, go ahead, you know, go right through. <laughs> <laughs> that's we awesome. got right through customs. It's no problem. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Luckily, he saw the movie. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've had a a random thing like that happen. I was at the airport, and the guy looks at my ID. It was I think this was up in uh, Oregon or something. Older guy, and he looks and he goes, "Let me ask you a question." And he pulls out this magazine, and he goes, "This your dad?" (laughs) I was like, "Really?" He had a a hot rod magazine, (laughs) you know, because it was it was I think it was at the Redmond Airport, and it's like a, a very uh, what low volume airport, right? It's a little place. Yeah. So this guy, yeah. I'm sure he had minutes in between, uh, you know, talking to or checking passengers in or whatever, yeah. you know. And between he did, flights, he had yeah. the Hot Rod magazine yeah. there with my dad in it, right there at the podium. I'm like, yep, that's him. That's awesome. No, that's cool. So you, um, how far? So is it that wood buck? I'm looking at it right now. Um, so that that's where that's the stage you're at right now. Then. Yeah, the body is. Um, it, it has not begun yet, other than. You know, obviously the design work and and the buck itself. You know, which lots of time goes into that alone. Um, but we have started on the engine work and the suspension, um, mating it to a transmission. You know, a lot of things have to happen when you take that engine from an aircraft and try to convert it to use in a in a vehicle, an automobile. So uh, we've gone through all of that. We got the cooling system worked out, um, and uh, so the next move is to start fabricating body panels out of aluminum so th- this this car was just a concept if Preston tucker never got to a point where he started building it correct he died of lung cancer in 55 or 56 oh, okay and so that's what he was working on but it was a really cool idea because you know tucker had lots of great ideas unfortunately he's known for like the steerable headlight and you know like seat belts and things like that but he had much bigger ideas that he wasn't able to fully execute. And um, so if you really get to know the story, the guy built his own engine, 589 cubic inch flat six engine. And and we're talking in 1946. And he yeah. did this w- without a camshaft. So the engine used hydraulics. So imagine like a hydraulic distributor, like o- almost something like you'd see on a, on a, on a, uh, on a diesel, but instead of, you know, sending fuel out, it's sending oil pressure and opening valves. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, and it worked. He made, I believe, three or four of these engines. One of them is in the uh, museum in, in, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, the AACA Museum. But it's a functioning engine. It's, it actually worked. So when he was pressed for time to get these cars done, he had to abandon his own engine. And he purchased the helicopter engines. He actually purchased the whole company, the whole Franklin um, uh, Franklin Air Cooled Engine Company, and then he started to use those uh, helicopter engines in his cars, and um, 
but he originally designed the car to have no transmission, no axles. It was going to have a torque converter mounted inside each wheel and the engine would just pump oil and the oil would drive that torque converter in each wheel. So you'd have all wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he, and he actually did this. He engineered these things to to work, at least in a prototype state. Uh, The production cars didn't, didn't get all, all of those features. They were a bit more conventional. They were still rear engine and um, they had a real unique look. The Alex tremulous design on on the body was, was very unique and, and, uh, and very popular. Like it seemed like the whole world wanted to buy a Tucker. And so my grandfather owned a dealership. He bought a Tucker dealership in uh, Yonkers, New York. Oh, really? And yeah. So he had that for, uh, they were open for business for only three days. Um, he had he had two Tucker cars come through the showroom so that they can be shown off to the public. Um, he wrote up some orders, but no Tucker car was ever delivered through a dealer. They were all all um, uh, auctioned off by the government. Yeah, how many did they end up building? They built fifty cars, and they built one prototype car, which is called the Tin Goose. And I believe forty seven of those cars still remain. Oh wow. That's yeah. That's a pretty high percentage of cars. I mean, for only fifty built, that forty-seven are still out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were collectible from day one. It seemed like like people knew right away, and uh, and people went to the auction. My grandfather went to the auction hoping to maybe buy one, but at that point, he just didn't have any money left. He, he lost all of his money on the on the dealership, so yeah. he, he didn't get a car. But those cars were, um, for the most part, bought up by collectors and most of them were pretty well kept yeah so like the two cars i have right here now one of them has six thousand miles on it and original upholstery and the car is like absolutely rust free wow um and uh, and then the other car i have here now is number 29 which was preston tucker's personal car that was one that he purchased and kept in the family for some time he took it to indy he did some testing made some custom modifications to this car at indy which is all documented. And then, um, and then I believe the car was owned by, um, either the Vanderbilt or the Rockefellers. One of them I had the car in the family for some time. And, uh, and then now it's here getting under, undergoing a full restoration. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, that's a pretty- cool history. Yeah. What was the, uh, a few years ago you were working on a car. Um, what, what were the seats swiveled? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? Yes. That, that was the Tucker Torpedo. Okay. And the Tucker Torpedo was on the other end where Preston Tucker was working on that design uh, before the Tucker 48. So he did that earlier in his career. Never made the car. Um, he had a design by George Lawson, and it was a really futuristic kind of a car. It was a gigantic body. It was huge. And um, steerable fenders rear engine air cooled he had he had kind of these concepts but not really any mechanical drawings or engineering done for the car it was um it was more just concepts and renderings so we took kind of an accumulation of some of those ideas and and as we went on we started to uncover more and more information of things that were written about the car um and the peterson museum has a uh, quarter scale clay model an original clay model from George Lawson from back in the, in the forties. So they allowed us to come in and take a 3d scanning of that. Oh, which wow. we did. 
yeah, then we converted that into a full-size buck, and I started to make the car. But one thing we realized is that Preston Tucker got away from that design because of the center steer, because it had this very rounded turret-style roof, very rounded windshield, and it was designed to be center drive. So when the driver's in the center, getting in and out of that driving position is very difficult. So you'd have to like kind of open up his door, close the door behind you, and then walk to your seat, which you know isn't really yeah, it's practical for a car, you know. So um, that's why Tucker got away from from that center drive and that shape of a body. Then he needed to go back to a square roof so that he could put the driver on the left side. Um, and he abandoned that original torpedo design. So we took that design and we came up with an idea of how can we solve that original problem that Tucker had about the entry and exit of that driving position. And um, and that's when I came up with the idea for the rotating seating assembly. So it's a it's a triangle seat. So you have you have three seats in a triangle pattern. So if you're looking at it on a bird's eye, um, it looks like a, like a triangle pattern. It's all equal distant from the center. So you can enter the car from either the left side or right side, sit in the nearest seat, and then as you close the door, it moves you over into the driving position. Oh, wow. um, but obviously something like that is a major uh, piece of the car. So now you have to build a, the chassis around that working mechanism. Um, it needed to be very slim because there, wasn't, there was not a lot of headroom left. So we had to make all these things kind of like out of the way. So packaging of that was really a big job. And um, Sean Tucker, again, Preston Tucker's great grandson, did a lot of that work uh, on the engineering. He, he actually is an automotive engineer. That's what he does. And uh, so he took this on kind of as a personal project. And together we worked on that. And then we fabricated and machined all the parts and, and made that work. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to finish that car. Uh, the customer uh, decided that I was taking too long and he's decided to take the car away from me and so i'm not i'm not going to finish it but uh we got a very far along running and driving most of the body uh was made and uh so because yeah, i was gonna that say I, I thought i saw you posted go driving it down your driveway right i was yeah yeah yep. well that's cool yeah we, we we made we made brakes for it uh 360 degree style disc brakes um which was what uh tucker talked about having in that car uh, and then after he didn't he, he didn't make his own 360 brakes but then he he used kinmont brakes on um on the tin goose on the prototype car so the, the kinmont brakes that we all love in our vintage hot rods uh tucker used in in his car in uh, 1947 wow yeah so we made all of that stuff and and uh, we tried to incorporate as many of the ideas as we had for that Tucker torpedo. Um, and, and as we would read more and we would talk to more people and un uncover more history, more of these ideas would pop up. And, um, you know, so we were trying to really build all of that into the car. So unfortunately we didn't get to finish it, but, uh, maybe one day we will. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Something like that. You just were going off of concepts cause that one never got built. Right. I mean, correct. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't, we, we weren't able to benefit from any of that engineering, um, in fact, it was more difficult, I think, because as we know, when, when a, a car manufacturer dreams up a prototype car, they have a, um, an artist design the car and the artist designs it with, you know, his eye only in mind. 
Then they hand that over to an engineer and the engineer says, well, looks great, but we can't do this and we can't do that. And you need more room here and, you know, packaging and all these other things, manufacturing, all these other factors come in and they start to disturb the original artist design. Um, we didn't really have that option because we needed to make it look as much like that original drawing as we possibly could. If we started to make concessions and we started to uh, alter that original design, well, now we're not really building a torpedo anymore. We're building something else. So we had to go to great lengths to make everything actually fit into that design without disturbing. Yeah, you know, we have that same, same thing just with something like building wheels. You know, you get people that send you drawings, yeah. and I want this and that. And he goes, yeah, it looks good, but we can't make it, you know? Right. That was, that was always uh, the frustrating thing with some of these artists that don't get it. They want, you know, they make the, you know, they go, hey, we're going to promote your wheels and they do a drawing of a car and they go but you, i can't put that wheel on that car you know or that wheel is yeah. not going to look like that you know yeah or, or the wheel is oval <laughs> yeah, right right you know i mean we've seen some we've seen some wacky things over we've built some wacky things over the years but hey you know what uh, on the orange willies who built the wheels on those uh, my father my okay. father did that's what i was yeah. thinking because i saw that i saw that car for the first time who would it have been 2000, 2001 at the Street Rod Nationals? Um, yeah, I, I finished it in 99. Uh, so I got the, the, the Boyd's pick in 99 at Good Guys. So I don't know how that falls, if that falls before or after the NSR event. So, yeah, you, you probably saw it either in 99 or 2000. Yeah, it was at the, it was, well, the hotel that they've torn down since. But I remember it was outside of the hotel i remember looking at yeah that's cool so yeah he built okay he built those wheels geez back in 99 yeah. then huh or yeah yeah and uh no no lugs I yeah i remember but yeah yeah they were lugless and, and we made our own brake calipers and a-arms and rear end housing and all that stuff everything was machine billet and nice. um yeah yeah and you know he, i got to give him a lot of credit because i mean he could do a lot of things but one thing that he really um took on with no knowledge and no education was running a CNC machine. So when when uh, when everything was was billed, we wanted to make all these crazy parts. Um, he bought a CNC machine and we had it delivered to the shop and didn't even know how to turn it on. We just knew we. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the task, man. That's still something. In all my years doing wheels, I just I've I've never really got involved with programming or I mean, I used to operate a machine, but you know. Yeah, but not as far as uh, you know programming all that stuff. That's a whole another animal. But he took yeah, it on and he did it. They he came did out it. Good. He took it up. Still does it now. He, he just made a set of wheels for uh, for the Jaguar that we're doing here. And, oh, and, nice. Yeah, you know, kind of the, the challenge with that one was that we wanted to make um, you know a true spline drive Jaguar knockoff um, and use Jaguar brakes and all, all these parts into a wheel that you know, is aluminum. So, um, he did it though. You know, he, he came up with a way and we got the splines in there and, and we have steel splines in, in the hub and, uh, it came out great. So he's just about done with them and I got to finish the car to get them on there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you got a pretty, uh, you know, um, you're capable of, I mean, it seems like almost everything at your shop then. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we do ev everything here. Um, we most for, for the most part we've been farming out some things to our friends because you know we just can't keep up so uh, upholstery i have a couple of great 
upholstery guys that, that I'd like to use. So we've stopped doing in-house upholstery for the most part. Um, we have a pretty good network now of, of guys here that, that can help us out and do a great job for us. Um, I also have a friend who's an excellent chassis and suspension guy and um, Bob Cuneo. He, he kind of made his, um, his career all about um, Winston Cup race cars and NASCAR. And then he moved on to actually creating U.S. Olympic bobsleds. And I don't know how many gold medals that he has wow. from, from make Olympic bobsleds. But he's just a great friend, and, and he's, been, he's been quite helpful in the chassis suspension stuff for us. So he doesn't do all of our chassis and suspension work, but some of it. And um, that's been, been a really big help. Sean, uh, again, Sean Tucker, he's been very helpful with uh, a lot of uh, solid works and 3D printing and castings and things like that. But, yeah, between us and our friends, uh, we could we could do everything here uh, really in-house. That's awesome. Yeah, the 3D printing is yeah. pretty cool. I, I, I like where the technology is going, you know? like it's, this, it's been so helpful. Yeah, I mean, just for doing little small and unique parts – um yeah you know, like the 3ds the, the scanning and all that that's awesome i mean it's, it's just... amazing how fast you can d- develop a shape you know back in the old days doing it with measurements and this and that um now you could scan something and have the shape almost immediately yeah it's and and it's the 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 cost of entry on that stuff is is coming down quite a bit too you know oh my god it's, it's like, like yeah it, it's some of these things you could ju- just do with an app on your phone. It's incredible. Right? Yeah, no, that's it's cool. It's great because you know what? I mean, just it, there's a lot of talented people out there, but you know back like a lot of people just don't have access to some of that stuff, you know? But now it's right. just it's getting to a point where yeah, I mean, like I said it's it's really it's becoming way more accessible. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. curious to see where it's where it's all going to go, you know? Um, yeah. All the electric vehicles. Are you doing anything with uh, electric vehicles right now? I, I am right now. I, I have a. Uh, in fact, if you look on my Instagram, you'll see a three wheeler vehicle uh, that was designed by uh, Pete Meyer. Pete Meyer was the senior designer for GM and Cadillac. He entered the program as a kid in like '65, and uh, I think he retired mid '80s. And um, he's he's a great friend of mine. He when designed this when car did you post that? Four, we're, we're, we're gonna uh, pull it up right now. Not, not too long ago. Let's see. I, I could look at my phone. Um, uh, six postings back. Six so posts. January seventh. All right. It's a, it's a blue streamliner. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's cool. Wow, I remember you, yeah, when you posted that. Yeah, isn't that something? So he designed that, and and if you look at, at the Instagram post, uh, let's see, one, two, three. Five pictures back is a photograph of the clay model that he made back in 66. So Pete Meyer designed that thing for oh, GM. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, they never they never made it. And I don't think they ever really intended to make it. It was more of just an exercise. But he had it figured for straight six, um, or uh, not for straight six, for the, uh, the Pontiac Tempest overhead cam engine. Okay. Uh, that they were going to use uh, in this car. So two front wheels, one center wheel in, in the back. And a center drive, or a sing, single single seater center drive. So, so they never cool made the car, <laughs> and uh, so I'm friends with Pete. He's uh, he's in his mid seventies now, and he's a he's a very successful uh, artist. He does these large scale um, airbrushings, 
And uh, but this car has always been kind of like in his mind. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, man, it would be great to make that car. So what you're looking at here in, the, in these blue drawings, they're uh, computer generated, done by uh, uh, one of our guys, uh, uh, Paul Cameron. He he drew the thing in 3D, and we intend to 3D print the entire car. We're gonna wow. we're gonna print, we're gonna print the body. We're gonna print the brake calipers out of carbon fiber, the wheels, the chassis, all the parts. Everything is gonna be printed as so, much of it as we can. It'll be. It, well, okay, so I remember uh, was it two? Geez, probably two three years ago at SEMA they they were three D printing a, a car in the lo- in the main lobby. Did you remember that? Uh, I don't know if I saw that at SEMA. I've seen it, but I don't know if I remember it at SEMA. Yeah, they had a demonstration going on. So for the whole week, I don't know how far they got along with it. To be honest with you, I just I watched it just for a little bit. But yeah, so how big is that vehicle going to be? Um, it's um, it's thirteen feet. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So it was intended to be like a little commuter vehicle in the city. You know, for for somebody, just a single seater, kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, we want to we want to make the whole car uh, printed and electric. That's awesome. What? Uh, yeah. So take. Who's who? Um, are you going to be getting the printer for that? Or are you using somebody else? Uh, no, I'm not going to own a printer of that size. I was going to um, say that's a big. <laughs> that's a yeah. big printer. That's a big printer. Um, so we have a couple of people uh, that we're talking to about actually doing the printing for us. And uh, so we haven't nailed down anyone yet, but pretty soon we'll have to make that decision. That's going to be awesome. The renderings yeah. look killer. The rendering is cool. And if you look under that, if you're on the Instagram, um, there's a few more drawings of it, both 3D and then and the uh, the original one. So if you look at the bird's, head, the bird's eye view of it, I mean, it's such a wild piece. Okay, because then down. Steve's pulling up a video now. Um, it looks like when he's working on the the model, yeah. the, the rotating yeah. it around. Yes. Yep. And then if you slide oh, past wow. that. Oh, couple... wow. Yeah, that bird's eye view. It's totally. Whoa. Yeah, you know it's pretty wild <laughs> about that. So you look at it from the side, and you yeah. ne- you would never know it's got that big V shape from the side. Yeah, that's right? insane. It's just the. Right. It's No, that thing's. Dude, it's. Yeah, totally different from and then the yeah, and and to think that he did this in in '66. That's crazy. Yeah, and if you slide a few more images, you'll you'll see where he had the, uh, the Pontiac Tempest engine drawn in there. Wow. Yeah, Steve's pulling this up now. Yeah, everybody listening, go to uh, Rob underscore Ida on Instagram and check this stuff out. This stuff's cool. Yeah, I'm looking at here. So did you guys? Uh, okay, does the clay model still exist? It does. Uh, we don't have access to the actual clay model, or at least we haven't tried to gain access to it. It was yeah. given as a gift to one of the other designers uh, for retirement, and so I believe his family still has it. But we had enough information uh, just in drawings that we didn't really need the clay model. Yeah, that's cool. Well, yeah. it, it did a great job. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here just staring at him. He's got the video playing. Yeah, he's kind of tripping out on it. I mean, just the lines are mesmerizing. It's just yeah, know, I just kind of like wanders on. When it. you look at it from the the side, the yeah. profile, you you can't. And then you, then it goes the bird's eye. It's like 
yeah, it's totally different. It's a whole That's different. That's cool. Yeah. So at, at, you're just in the beginning stages of that, obviously, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, we're working on, on the drawings now, and then uh, and we're going to – we aim to start printing it soon, you know, within the next – few months at least oh that's cool yeah mm-hmm. oh, right man that's awesome and then we have a 32 roadster in the shop right now that we just built an arden with um what what looks like a hillborn injection on it but it's efi uh, it's all hidden you know you can't really tell that it's efi um and we're putting a set of um indie brakes and wheels on it for oh, customers cool. down to south Carolina. yeah so real vintage looking car um driver you know driver type thing and uh but yeah we get you know real vintage looking cars in here and then and then if it slides through the instagram you'll see that uh you know we have a new ford gt that we do things with and you know race it and yeah i see that and, that's cool yep yeah it's my dad's car so what was the what's the name of that that car, the three-wheel car again it actually doesn't have a name oh you don't have a name. <laughs> we have a yeah, so so Pete Meyer designed it and just has always called it his three wheeler. So okay. we have to come up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll gotta, leave that to Pete. Yeah, you got to come up with a good name for that one. That's going to be unique. No, it's cool. I mean, that's what it's cool about your your Instagram because it's like you've t- you've touched on so many different uh, to- so many different vehicles, a lot of unique stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, we seem to get a lot of weirdo things in here in the shop, but, uh, but we love them, <laughs> right? No, they're all fun. It's it's like you said earlier. It's 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 like this big learning curve on this stuff, you know? Yeah, um, it keeps it for well, sure. And that's what's cool about the building some of the stuff that maybe was just conceptualized but never never built because you do have a little yeah. bit more leeway with that, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Like like I was saying, you know, you you, you try to maintain the the little bit of information that you do have as as close as you can and then when it comes time to fill in the blanks you know you, you do your best to to try to make it look like it's appropriate yeah what so what what's been your your favorite build over the last let's say you know couple decades here um we did a, a 40 merc uh, a blue 43 window merc back in 2000 and i think it was 15 or 16 that we finished it um that car's here in my showroom. We did that for Jack Kiley. He's he's a great friend and a great customer of ours. We've built a lot lots of cars for him. Um, I, I like that car a lot. It it it, it has a, a real vintage kind of styling about it. A lot of things look old, but everything about it is modern in technology. Is that the dark blue one? Yeah, it's a it's a dark blue, almost a Washington blue. Yeah, it's a forty Mercury window. Yeah, you had that out here at the Grand National, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. we had it at the Grand National. Um, in fact, that was my last posting on Instagram. So we had it out there in 2016 with Hop Up Magazine. Now, you just posted that one? Yeah. Yeah, that was the latest posting. Cool. We're going to pull it up again right now. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. It was it was in what, Hop Up Magazine. There it is. Yeah, right there. Yeah, that's a cool car. Thanks. The, yeah. the the front fender skirts steer, so when you steer the wheels, those fender skirts are moving too. They, <laughs> yeah, they move out of the way of the tire. No, that's awesome. And it's got yeah. a full belly pan that, that is articulated, so it actually moves as the suspension travels. The, uh, the belly pan moves with it. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Man, how how long wow. did it take you? I mean, how many hours you got into that thing? <laughs> 
that just seems like it's. I, so... I think we we had figured about twelve thousand hours in that car. Wow. It's got so many fine details. Like we made every piece of that thing. Such a cool looking car. Yeah. yeah. It, it, like all, all the little details you're talking about, just kind of trip to see, see all that come together on that thing. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, a few of the handmade tuckers. In fact, Jack Eiley, who uh, who owns that Merc, we, we did a twin turbo um, replica tucker for him. And we had that, that at SEMA like in 2000, I think it was 17 or 18. And uh, so I like that car a lot, too, because it looks very much like a tucker. All the hardware, every little switch, everything looks like a tucker piece. But it's all new and handmade and electronic and modern and all that stuff. So I, I like getting into that. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of cool. I, I I definitely appreciate when people like just kind of take new technology. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the over tech, you know, like some of these hot rods getting too techno with them. Mm-hmm. But when yeah, when people incorporate some new new features that are on some new cars, you know, I think that's yeah. I think if you can pull it off where the aesthetics aren't compromised. Yeah, you um yeah. so cars cars are your business in your life now. Is this also yeah. is your you like a lot of car guys where your your hobby is also cars or do you have other hobbies? <laughs> no, this is this is it. This, this is, is it. my hobby. My, <laughs> <laughs> my hobby is my business, my passion. It's um, awesome, man. It's it's like that's when you win in life. That's when yeah. you win when you can you know do something you love yeah, every you day. Do something you love uh, and you're good at it and you want to get better at it and you don't get burnt out. Yeah. You know, you never stop wanting right. to learn and get better. I mean, yeah, yeah, you kind of never, you know, because you're, you're never there. You keep moving the post, you know, a little further away. And, uh, you know, when you think you have something figured out, you, you realize that there's even a better way to do it. And uh, then you try to figure that out, you know. But usually my my education has been, you know, a lot of mistakes. It's like, uh, well, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want it to look like or here's what I want it to, to function like. Now, how do we do How do we do that? And then you, you have to figure it out. You know, you have to learn and try things. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, I, I feel like you can't be afraid to throw away your hours because it, it happens. If yeah. you're going to be so efficient that you don't want to, you know, invest a minute in practicing or trying something, um, that's that's a, that, that that's difficult. I, I don't find that that really works in what we do. Um Lots of times we say, all right, well, didn't work. We can, we can only charge the customer, you know, a reasonable amount of time, even though it took us, you know, four times longer than we wanted it to. But in the end, it's how we wanted it to be. Well, that's how the business works. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, because like you said, like some of the stuff you're doing it for the first time, you can spend hours on it just trying to figure it out. Yeah, one little piece of the puzzle. Right, right? I mean, yeah. and yeah, I mean, it's like a ton of research involved. But Oh, my you know, people don't realize how much work goes into these things before you even open the toolbox, before you even, you know, put a piece of metal down or pick up a wrench or anything. There's so much thought and so much time goes into just trying to figure out how I'm going to approach this, what it's going to be like. Before there's a tangible thing, hours and hours and hours get spent on just trying to um, really develop an idea. Well, yeah, and you have to have a plan because you got to be efficient because no one likes doing something two times, three times. Nope. You know, no, not that to a minimum. That's it like, happens, but you don't you don't plan for it. 
Yeah, it, it does happen, right? I mean, there's times where you yeah. just, like you said, you just got to just, just throw it away and start over again, you know? Um, yeah. But, but, you know, with experience, right? You know, you gather that experience and you can, you can see the problems coming from a mile away. Well, hopefully. Yeah. Ho- <laughs> hopefully you get to that <laughs> point, you know? But those problems pop up every once in a while. Sure. Yeah, they sure do. Right? If it's, yeah. uh, well, I don't want to say this. It's, <laughs> The saying, but there's a saying: if it's got tits or tires, it's going to cause you problems, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> man. Well, you know what, uh, Rob? Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time. Yeah, to what, talk to what, us. What man. a great conversation, man! This was awesome. My pleasure. Thanks yeah, for having so, me. I really and you know it. what? Once again, everybody, go check him out. Yeah. Uh, it's Rob underscore Ida I D A. Really cool stuff. I mean, it's just and Rob Concepts dot com on the web. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's yeah, cool. check us out, and you know we're always posting up new stuff from from the shop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, keep it up, man. You're one of the guys in our industry that uh, you know I appreciate and look up to for just some of the cool stuff you just keep doing. Yeah. Man. Really so. creative and uh, yeah, you know, just unique stuff, man. Just wild. Right. Really cool. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Cool, man. Well, maybe I'll uh, catch up with you at a car show this year. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. I need if there to, are I, any. Yeah, I know. I need to go. I need to get my get myself back east. We'll see, though. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're in New York or, or nearby, come see us. I uh, need to come out there. Thank you. Yeah. All, all right. right. Well, have a good day. Take care, guys. Thanks. All right. Uh, all right. On behalf of Rob Ida and Christopher Coddington and myself, Steve Guerrero, thank you again for listening to the Hot Rod Bob Boyd podcast. Yeah. We'll be back again next time. Tune in and we'll speak to you guys soon.